Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Uh, to the praise team, uh, certainly during the summer months, uh, it can be challenging across the board with uh, people out of town and everything, and so I really appreciate their effort and their work during this summer season in the choir. How about another hand for the choir? That was, they did a great job. In, in spite of the fact that I'm not Chad. Right? And so they did a good job with the fill-in conductor. And so uh, that means they really didn't need me at all. And so that's what that means. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8 this morning. And uh, certainly uh, over the past couple of weeks, if you have been asleep, maybe you, you're not uh, familiar with this, but over the past couple of weeks, we have witnessed once again another reality Another reality that divides so many of our people in this country and, quite frankly, even around the world. On June the 24th, when the Supreme Court published uh, their decision essentially to overturn um, the Roe versus Wade ruling that was made nearly 50 years ago. Uh, The overturning of that, by the way, if you're not familiar with what took place, the overturning of that decision simply sends the discussion and the decision of whether abortion will be legal back to the states. Okay, so, so while we are thankful for certain decisions, it actually continues the discussion. It sends it back to the states. And on one side of the equation, those who believe the Bible and what God has to say on the subject of life and passages such as Psalm 139, Jeremiah 1, 30, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, Jeremiah 1, 5. And, and I'll be honest, we just had a child dedication service, uh, Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a heritage unto of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. And, and so if there's those on that side who celebrate and overwhelmingly rejoiced at this seminal decision. But on the other hand, uh, we saw an inflamed and an angry passion has ensued and fills many who oppose this recent decision. Sadly, as I've watched the responses, by the way, you say, did you get some rest while you're on vacation? I'm going to be very transparent. I was away. My wife got good rest. Believe me, she can sleep anywhere. <laughs> Believe me. I love that about her. I'm not sure I got a lot of rest. Because I was concerned with what I was seeing taking place. You see, sadly, as I watched the responses across the board, it seems that I noticed a fundamental flaw. I noticed a fundamental flaw in both the rejoicings and, re and the rantings of the day. Many who opposed the recent ruling, uh, whether it was for political gain or not, I'll not get into that, uh, but whatever the reason was, they're calling for the destruction of the lives of these justices. They're calling for the destruction of pro-life ministries and parachurch organizations. I mean, are, did we not see that? 
But yet on the other side, those who have been celebrating the decision, many ways have ramped up the rhetoric. But I watched in dismay as some of the people who ramped up their rhetoric did so not in a biblical way. And you say, is this your message? No, it's just the intro. <laughs> but I was reminded from Scripture, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm really thankful that Jesus has given us wisdom for such a time as this. He's given us wisdom, if you're not familiar with his wisdom, uh, Matthew chapter 5, he instructs us. He instructs us by saying this. He says, you have heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and watch the last part, persecute you. Look at verse 45 that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. He gives us wisdom for such a time as this. And it and it's actually goes against every fiber of our being in some ways to love and to bless and to pray for those who curse us, despitefully use us, and persecute us. Peter also reminds us that Jesus has given us an example to follow. And I know I told you to turn to John chapter 8, but I want you to hold your finger there, and I want you to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'll give you a hint. I wasn't going to do this, uh, but I'll give you a hint. 1 Peter chapter 2 is on page 784. It's on page 784 if you get over there. Because not only has Jesus given us wisdom for such a time as this, Paul, uh, Peter reminds us that Jesus has actually given us an example to follow. Man, when I was a kid, I was always taught, follow the example. Which is why it's important that we be setting the right type of example. Amen? Moms, dads, it's important to set the right type of example. Especially if you're telling your children or your grandchildren to follow the example. And so, or your puppies, or, or your kittens, right? I, by the way, I got a shirt on Father's Day that said the world's greatest puppy dad and picture of both dogs on the front. And so uh, whether you're a puppy dad or otherwise, you, you're still training them to follow the example. Notice what 1 Peter chapter 2 says. In verse 21, I want to draw your attention to verse 21, but since you're there, if you've turned there, I want you to look at verse number 15. We're going to get to ver leave 21 up, but I want you to look at verse 15. It says, so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Notice verse 16, as free. We've been set free by Jesus. Let me say that again because I'm not sure you're convinced. We've been set free by Jesus. Not by the president, not by a government, not by the courthouse. We've been set free as followers of Jesus Christ. We have been set free by Jesus. And the scripture says, look at verse 16, as free and not using your liberty or your freedom for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Who do we serve? We serve God. Drop down to verse 20. It says, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. Notice what the Bible says. This is acceptable unto God. Now look at verse 21. For even here unto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed unto himself, committed himself to him that judges righteously, 
who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, watch this, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. Watch that. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Oh, my friends, we have a truth for this time. I'm so thankful that in seasons of life, when we, we're left scratching our head, right? We're like, what in the world is going on? By the way, I was the victim of censorship yesterday. Facebook got me. Meta, Facebook Meta got me yesterday. Some of you saw where uh, my daughter-in-law was featured for doing uh, music therapy with... Uh, with uh, um, with the Parkinson's uh, patients out in Missouri, and she developed a program to work with these Parkinson's patients, and uh, you ought to check it out. Uh, I forget the song she was singing, uh, but it wasn't a, a, a song that we would sing in church, right? And so she's going, and all the patients are clinging, and here's what I posted. I said, Taylor, thank, thank the Lord for the gift of music, and how you, thank the Lord for his gift of music in you and how you use it to bless and serve other people. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Green heart, because she always puts a green heart on our communication. About five minutes later, ten minutes later, I get this thing that says, you have been blocked. This is controversial. We do not allow this statement on our... I was like, what? Do you disagree? Yes, I disagree. All I was saying was congratulations. Thank the Lord for the gift of music and how you use that gift to bless and to encourage others. And I was blocked. So you know what I did? I decided to put another post. <laughs> I said, let me see if I can water it down a little bit. And so I watered down the post. I said, dear Taylor, thank you so much for using the gift that God has given you. We're blessed to see how you're using this gift. I said, for some unknown reason, a meta robot blocked my first statement. However, I'm sure, I'm not sure why, but I'm sure this will get through. About 10 minutes later, <laughs> meta did not like me yesterday. Folks, this is, the, this is the season that we're living in, and sometimes we're left scratching our head when we're talking about the gift of music and serving and blessing other people. That has become offensive in our culture. But my desire in pointing out the response and subsequent aftermath of the Supreme Court ruling is simply to remind us that at the end of the day, true freedom is not going to be found in the courtroom, the classroom, or quite honestly, it's not even found in the local New Testament church. True freedom is found only in Jesus Christ. And I don't care what Meta says about that. The reality is they'll probably block me for saying that. In America, we're still... We still have the freedom to assemble. We have the freedom to worship, or for that matter, not to worship God. We're free to discuss and debate the so-called issues of the day, although the wise man Solomon has told us, if you read your Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're reminded that there's nothing new under the sun. And so it seems like we continue to rehearse and regurgitate and discuss issues that have been debated and discussed and worn out for years and years. We have the freedom to own and carry our Bibles, by the way, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. That's one place, you got a Bible, man, bring it to the Lord's house. I'm not going to get on you for bringing your Bible. It's okay. You say, I prefer the electronic version. Hey, just bring your Bible. 
Bring your Bible to the Lord's house. We have the ability to pray in Jesus' name. We are free to love and serve God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind if we want to. I love that about America. I'm thankful that we have these freedoms, but none of those freedoms speak of true freedom. In fact, someone can live in America and never experience true freedom. Today, I was reminded I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to read up a number of books. I read critically a couple of books. I read Erwin Lutzer's reread the first half and then refinished it. Erwin Lutzer's book, We Will Not Be Silenced. I also read Vody Balkum, who's a Reformed theologian. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, by the way. Uh, his book, Fault Lines. I would encourage you to read those. Take them up and to let the Lord work on your heart. But today, the talk of social justice and economic freedom is the dominant theme of our day. But I can tell you those are temporary things. Because at the end of the day, none of them are taking me to heaven. The only thing that gets me to heaven is the true freedom that I have experienced through Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his burial in a borrowed tomb, the fact that scripture tells us he arose three days later conquering death, hell, and the grave reminds me that I have true freedom. And as I've said many times, I'm headed for heaven and I can't even help it. God is good, amen? Bigger houses, I'm not against it. Better job, I'm not against it. Supercars, I'm not against it. They may be enjoyable. Our location, our circumstances, and our health, they may be great. But true freedom is spiritual and purposeful. It, it comes from God. And the reality is that true freedom in Jesus Christ allows you and I the ability to break free from the bondages of sin that have enslaved us for so many years. Sins like pride. Anybody ever have a pride problem? No, nobody in here has ever dealt with pride. Anger? Anybody need anger management? Nobody's ever had anger problems? Anybody ever gotten bitter? I always tell people, don't get bitter, just get better, right? Immoral lust, addiction, untamed tongue. Man, I'll tell you, we live in a season of, un of the untamed tongue, of the untamed tongue. Lies, gossip, slander, greed, doubt, despair, and depression, they seem to be all around but when we have Jesus, when we have the freedom in Jesus Christ, we can break free because he has broken us free. He has set us free, if you please. The amazing thing about freedom is that Jesus can free you wherever you're at. I don't care what you have done this morning. I don't know how far you've gone, how what you've done, where you're at in your spiritual journey, but can I tell you that if you need Jesus, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he can deal with that right where you're sitting right now today, whether you're watching online or sitting in this room. He can free us anywhere. I mean, Peter was in a fishing boat. <laughs> he set him free. Paul was on the road to Damascus. The prodigal son, he was lying in a pig pen. The Samaritan woman had an encounter with Jesus at the well, and as we'll see here briefly, I'll look at it very briefly, this woman in John chapter 8, the adulterous woman, they bring her to Jesus while he's at the temple, the second thief. I love the second thief on the cross. He got it. He got it. And he met Jesus while hanging on a cross. We could go on and on, but again, humankind's greatest need, greatest problem, no matter what culture tells you, our greatest problem is a sin problem, and our greatest need is a Savior. 
greatest problem is sin, whether you're a man, woman, boy, girl, whatever you identify with. The greatest problem is sin, and our greatest need is Jesus. This is the only true freedom. Look at John chapter 8 with me. John chapter 8 at the beginning, the first 11 verses begins. Jesus comes very early in the morning. Look, he sits down and he begins teaching in the temple. The scribes and the Pharisees, you may have read this story before, they bring an adulterous woman to him and they ask Jesus, when they bring this woman to Jesus, they ask Jesus whether this woman should be condemned and stoned or not because that was the law, right? And so a woman caught in adultery, you know, it, it was right. She should be condemned and stoned. That's what they're telling Jesus. Jesus then teaches us all a lesson. Not only those who were gathered around this adulterous woman, but he teaches all of us a lesson. And it was, I was reminded of it here in Scripture. He teaches us that we need to be quick. We, we need not to be so quick about condemning others while ignoring our own sinfulness. See, because these guys, they brought this woman to Jesus and they're like, hey, what sayest thou? Should she be condemned? Should she be stoned? And you know what Jesus says? He says, uh, you without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. You remember? Remember the passage? He tells them, hey, if you, if you are without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And if you've read the story, you know the beginning with the oldest guy all the way down to the youngest. What do they do? They drop their stones and they leave the scene. By the way... This lesson about being quick to condemn others, condemning others while ignoring our own sinfulness, we need to be very careful. Remember, we are ambassadors. We need to be careful. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. As I watched the responses on both sides of the equation recently, my heart was burdened. Because I see people making statements. And we know that the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I'm wondering, it's, it's, it's the great problem that I see in Matthew chapter 7 in verses 3, 4, and 5. It's the moat versus the beam argument. You know the moat versus the beam. I see my brother has a moat in his eye. Therefore, I want to go to my brother and I want to say, hey, let me help you get that moat out of your eye. But while I'm trying to pull the moat or the sinfulness out of my brother, I'm a little bit of a hip, hypocrite because I don't even recognize that I have a beam coming out of my eye. We have to be careful. We have to be careful, church, because so much is at stake. Jesus' honor is at stake. We are his representatives. And look at verse 12. He continues after he sets the woman free in verse 11. He tells her, remember, he says, go and sin no more. But then we get to verse number 12, and here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. There's, there's an impetus there that if we have Jesus, we're not going to be walking in darkness, not darkness any longer. He says, but he shall have the light of life. In fact, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the light of all men. Immediately, the Pharisees, they make an accusation that Jesus' testimony is not true. By the way, as Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. That's what the world is saying today. The world is saying that I'm a cuckoo bird and every one of you who named the name of Jesus, you're just a bunch of cuckoo birds too because you're following a testimony of someone who is not true. The argument is still the same. The world says, it's not true. You've been blinded. You've been duped. Jesus is this, is, this is a waste of your time. Is it? Let's see what the Bible has to say. 
By the way, if we're really going to be free, then whatever we believe must be true. Whatever we believe must be true. So let's notice, notice, look at verse number 14. I want to read here just for a little bit. Look at verse 14. Jesus answered. Here's his answer. They said, that, in verse 13, they say, thy record is not true. In verse 14, Jesus answers and says unto them, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But you cannot tell whence I came or whither I go. You judge after the flesh. Stop and just think about this. It's the same argument in 2022. You judge after the flesh. Watch. Jesus, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, where is thy father? Jesus answered and said, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Look at verse 21. Then said Jesus again to them, I go my way, and you're going to seek me, and you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? This is what they're asking. Will he kill himself because he says, Whither I go, you cannot come? Look at verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. He says, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins for, watch it, if. Watch that word, verse 24, in the middle of it. If. You believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. If you go on, if you go on and keep reading, you'll see in verse 26, 28, and even 29, they all speak of, Jesus is speaking of uh, their submission to the Father, his submission to the Father. And then in verse number 30, notice in verse number 30, the Bible declares that as he spoke these words, look, it says, many believed on him. And so verse 31 continues, Then said Jesus unto the Jews which believed on him. So these are believers now. Notice what does he say? They've believed, but what does he follow up with? He says, If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you... There it is. He said, If you, you believe, if you continue in my word... If you, if you abide, if you continue, if you stay, if you remain in my word, then my words are going to be in you, and it's my word. It's the continuing. It's the staying. It's going to actually set you free because you're not going to be focused on everything under the sun. You're going to be focused on me and what I have to say. But just like today, look at verse number 33. In verse number 33, just like today, these people begin to justify themselves. And in this case, they're justifying themselves. Why? Because of Abraham. They're saying, hey, we be of Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to anyone. This freedom stuff that you're talking about, it doesn't apply to us because we're of Abraham's seed. And so they begin to justify their spiritual freedom. But look down in verse number 34. Jesus follows up and he talks to them about being servants of sin. Unfortunately, they assume they're acceptable to God no matter how they lived. By the way, it sounds like 2022. But the conditions of true freedom are clearly seen. And what I want us to see this morning 
is what it means to have true freedom. What does it look like to have true freedom? If you look at verse 31, the word if again. I love the word if all through scripture. It's a huge part of this passage. It's incredibly important because it comes to because it comes and it deals with our true freedom in Jesus Christ. In fact, the word if in verse number 31 speaks of an invitation. Kind of like you're getting ready to have a party. And you say to me, you say, "Hey pastor, we're going to have a party." You can come and enjoy the party. You can enjoy the party if you come. Like if I don't if I don't show up to the party, I don't enjoy the party. Only I enjoy the party if I come. I think about Kristen and I. I said to you already that we were blessed to go away on vacation and and uh, for whatever reason, I woke up very early every morning. I had a hard time sleeping at night, and I got up every morning. But the beautiful thing is, as I got up every morning, I was able to get out. And we were in a place where you just see some most beautiful sunrises you have ever thought of. And the sunsets are just gorgeous. And so I'd get up, and I was up in the morning before the sun rose, and I could see the sun rising. And uh, I was reminded of God's uh, handiwork, His splendor and uh, his creation, and the reality, I was quickly reminded of this idea of if. See, if I'd have slept till 9 or 10 in the morning, I never would have experienced those beautiful sunrises. I might have felt better, might have slept and felt better, but I never would have seen those beautiful sunrises. Here's the reality. We can talk about Jesus knowing who's going to save him and all these things. The reality is if the Lord, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If he opens up the eyes of our understanding so that we understand the gospel, we are feeling the gospel message. At some point, I have to seize the opportunity. I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. If I don't believe and exercise faith in the truth of Jesus Christ, the reality is I miss the boat. I miss the sunrise, so to speak. I miss the party, as it were. And so look at verse 31 again. Jesus says, in order to have true freedom, he says, we must believe. Look at verse 31 in the passage. Then Jesus said unto the Jews which believed on him, there must be a belief in Jesus Christ to experience true freedom. First and foremost, in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And in verse number 14 of that passage, he's, he's talking about Nicodemus. Uh, verily, verily, a man must be born again, all right? And then he gets down to verse number 14, and as he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, he said, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Watch it, that whosoever believeth on him, there must be belief, should not perish, but have eternal life. Look, he goes on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, there it is twice, that whosoever believeth, should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what? When I was a kid, I learned to say my ABCs through what? Repetition. Over and over, over and over. And then we used to learn the states. They actually used to be a song that we would sing. And they would go alphabetically through the states, the United States, and we would sing this song. And the more I would sing the song, the easier it would become to memorize all the states uh, in the United States, it was repetition. I love that God's word teaches us right here, these few verses, repetition. It says the same thing twice. It says you have to believe. There must be a belief. We shouldn't perish but have eternal life. In John chapter 5, 
Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you in verse 24, He that hears my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So we see faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We hear it. The Lord imparts his wisdom to us, open up the eyes of our understanding. We have to exercise that faith. Turn with me to John chapter 20. Hold your spot at John 8 and turn with me to John chapter 20. I want you to see something. After Jesus' resurrection, John chapter 20, shouldn't be too far. And notice with me, he's talking to Thomas. Remember, he sees his disciples without Thomas, and then he sees his disciples. Now Thomas is with them. Notice in verse 27, look at what God's word has recorded. It says in verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. But what you don't see is Thomas ever do it. We were talking about this uh, about a month ago, remember? About a month or two ago, we were talking. You never see Thomas do it. Look at verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, verse 31, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Number one, if you want to have true freedom, you got to believe. You got to believe. You say, well, I'm just going to leave it up to uh, happenstance. No, you have to believe. There has to be a belief that is in your heart and in your life. Secondly, Jesus says, look at verse 31. Go back to John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus says, not only we must believe, but we must abide. Notice he says at the latter part of verse 31, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. In other words, proof is in the pudding. If you are my disciples, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Look at verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It will set you free. It will uh, release you from your bondage, so to speak. And the idea here is that of dwelling. I think the reason I couldn't get rest, has anybody spent a lot of time in a hotel? Ever? You ever spent time in a hotel? When you first go in, it's kind of like, oh, this is so nice. And by the time you're ready to leave, you're like, I can't wait to get out of here. That's, that's kind of the way you feel when you go sometimes on vacation. And you go into this place and you're like, man, this is so nice. Look at this. They have a refrigerator. They have a little ice bucket. I can actually walk down and get ice. Yeah, that was our plight. And, and uh, they, said that they had a coffee maker. Big stuff. I was like, man, this is kind of nice. It's going to be good. But can I tell you, after a few days of that... You know what I was waiting for? I was waiting to get back home. I was, getting, I was ready to get back home to my bed, to my refrigerator, where I didn't have to go up a floor and down to the end of the hall to a little room that had an ice machine and hold an ice bucket under it. Man, I was like, I was like man, I, I want to get home because at my house, I can get ice out of my own refrigerator. It's amazing. I'm being facetious. But the reality is, just as we dwell in our homes, watch this, as we dwell in our homes, 
the reality is that we too must be dwelling in Jesus Christ. If you want true freedom, you're going to have to dwell in Jesus Christ. Us in him and he in us. Isn't that what he said in John chapter 15 when he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches? He says, without me you can do nothing. He says, you need me. Because the branch doesn't live on its own. It has its connection. It has its source of strength, its source of food, its source of growth. It has everything because it is connected to the vine. So we must believe. We must abide. How do we do that? Through his word. Remember, God's word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. I tell people all the time, if you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. You want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. Get into it. We dwell with him through his word, his will, and his ways. By the way, Travis, I believe, referenced it uh, last week, or, or it might have been, no, I think it was la uh, last week's message, James chapter 4 and verse number 17, to him that knoweth to do good and to doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, there's a way that seems right unto man, Proverbs tells us. There's a way which seems right unto man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Listen, if we believe something, if we really believe it, let me take a poll because you guys are kind of quiet this morning. Maybe because I opened up talking about the discussion about abortion. It divides very many, even in a place of worship. It does. You think I'm kidding, but it got real quiet right after I started talking about the Supreme Court ruling, which gave even more evidence to what I was seeing as I was watching the responses and reactions and the rantings and the ravings of people on both sides and the fundamental flaw that I saw. But let me ask this. Who in here can honestly say that they really believe in something? We're not even talking about Jesus. Say, say, Pastor, I believe in something. Would you let me know? You believe in something? Can I tell you that if you believe in something, just take, take Jesus off the, off the counter for a second. If you believe in something, the reality is it's going to affect your behavior around that something. If you believe that it's profitable to get up tomorrow and go to work, then you're going to go to work. If you believe that it's important to teach your children about the Lord, it's not just going to be a one-day thing every year. It's going to be in a continual teaching. It's going to be a continual process. If you believe something, it's going to affect our behavior. Now, let's bring back Jesus into the discussion. If we're going to have true freedom, we've got to believe and we've got to abide. Therefore, if we believe something, it should affect our behavior. That's why I said, if you really believe on me, then you need to continue in my word. And if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And so it's going to have an impact on us across the board, no matter what we're talking about. If you believe that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, it's going to affect your behavior. I'm not sure we believe that. If you believe that Jesus is your Redeemer, it's going to affect how you live. If you believe that Jesus is headed and He's gone to prepare a place for you and that He's coming back and that He's going to come back so that you can come and be with Him, in his father's house, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dictate how you behave. These things and more. God's word's going to be at home in our heart. In fact, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
It's going, to be, it's going to take up residency in our heart. It's not going to be something that you're just hearing on Sunday morning, whether it be Larry or Travis or me or anybody else speaking or teaching to you. It's going to be something that you're going to want each and every day. And so can I encourage you? You say, Pastor, I'm not someone who reads a whole ton of Scripture. I'm just going to be real transparent with you. Can I, can I beg you to do this? Just read a little tomorrow. Just a little. I'm not asking you to read a chapter tomorrow. I just want you to read a little bit. And if you need help with that, we got some daily praise books out here that'll get you started. You can read a couple of verses and, and think about what God is trying to teach you through these verses. Man, as we get into God's Word, it's going to start to impact our lives. In 2 John chapter 1 and verse number 9, kind of a sobering verse, the Bible says, Whosoever transgresseth abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. It says he hath not God. The last part of the verse says, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now I want us to be very, very careful with this verse. Because misinterpretation of this verse can lead us down a path that we should never go. True freedom is not a legal agreement. Can you mark my word? True freedom is not a legal agreement. I don't, I don't abide in Jesus Christ because I have to. I abide because I want to. I don't abide because someone tells me I need to abide. I abide because I've been set free by Jesus. Where else would I want to abide? You think about Jesus in John chapter 6. Remember, everybody's gone away at the end of John chapter 6. And Jesus turns to, uh, to, to uh, um, Peter and the other disciples and he says, Will you two go away? And the disciples turn back and they look at Jesus and say, where are we going to go? Where, where else are we going to go? You're the only one who has the answer to life. You're the only one who can give us peace. You're the only one who can set us free. Where are we going to go? As those who've been set free, you and I have been blessed with his divine power and purpose. And I just want to encourage us all, let's not waste it. Let's not waste what he has done for us. There are some results to being set free. Number one, we're free from the bondage of sin. Look at verse 34. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. The word committeth in verse 34 speaks of an ongoing action. If you're just getting up every day and it's just your daily routine, like I, I'm not even going to try not to sin because I know I'm going to sin. You've already given up. Travis last week. He was preaching from Joshua chapter 5. Oh yeah, pastor was paying attention. Can you remember the points? He was talking about crossover, right? He was talking about crossing over. What happens when we cross over from death to life? But he also talked about cutting away unnecessary sin that is in our life. And he used the, the vulgar uh, example of circumcision. No, that's okay. It's biblical. He was using this example of circumcision, talking about cutting away the sin that's in our life. But he also finished out by talking about consider, considering the one who set us free. We must do it. We've been set free. If we continue to live like we were before Jesus came in, then I would suggest we need to take a spiritual inventory. Because if you is what you was, then you probably ain't. I know that's not great grammar or English. All our teachers are going to send me emails later. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and following. Notice what Paul says to the church at Rome. He says, Know ye not that so many of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if ye have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Here it is, verse 6. Knowing this that our old man is crucified with him. In other words, the old man is dead. The old woman is dead. Watch, it says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is what? Freed from sin. You say, Pastor, I struggle with sin. That's something that you're going to struggle with the rest of your days. But that doesn't mean you have to wake up in the morning and give in to it without fighting, without putting on the whole armor of God, right? you got to get suited up each and every day because the world's coming after you. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they were out and they will be out today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. They're out to seek and to destroy. That's why we need Jesus each and every day. That's why we need to be abiding in His Word. True freedom requires death. That's what the Apostle Paul knew. In Galatians chapter 2, in verse number 20, Paul says this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, my old life as Saul is gone. I no longer persecute Christians. I no longer live this way. Now I'm telling people about Jesus. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Paul was saying, Jesus set me free. Can you say today that Jesus has set you free? Can you say it? Anybody ever been to a baseball game, football game, soccer, hockey? Where are the hockey fans? I, th those are the crazy people I want to talk to. <laughs> Where are the hockey? They, 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 they don't even play hockey anymore. They just have fights on ice. In fact, they ought to rename the sport, fight on ice, on ice. They got the, what is it, MMA and all these other fight clubs. They might as well just put NHL with them. You know, I've been around some people, and y'all pray for me. Y'all know I'm a lifelong Redskin fan. We don't even have a team anymore. They got rid of our team. I've been around some people who've been watching sports way too long. You ever see somebody get fired up about a game that they're not playing? And a game that will not change the course of their life one iota? They get fired up about that. Any, be honest. Anybody ever get fired up about sports aside from me? Anybody? Anybody ever been, how should we say, overzealous about sports? And yet I just asked a second ago if Jesus had set you free. And the response was, he set me free. He set me free. Man, we ought to be excited the fact that he set us free. Because you know what? Whether I live or I die, as Paul said. Right? 
to live is Christ, to die is gain, Paul said. It's Jesus who set me free. I love my wife. And many of you think she set me free. And in a way, she has. But ultimately, that's a temporary freedom. And it's conditional on my behavior. Just ask her. You guys think I'm joking. I'm being very, I'm, I'm serious right now. But you know what? The reason I abide in Christ is because when Jesus set me free, he didn't say, I'll set you free if you do this, if you do that, if you do that, if you serve me, if you give a certain amount of money, if you go to this church, if you do this, if you serve me as a pastor. By the way, that was the furthest thing from my thought. Jesus set me free because God is love. And he proved that love. He said he commended this love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, for me, the ungodly one, the one who was at enmity or at war with God. He set me free. Why would I not? Like, like Peter and the other disciples, where else am I going to go? Who else am I going to celebrate? Who am I going to rejoice about? Listen, if you want to rejoice in something in 2022, how about let's start rejoicing in Jesus? And I think the community and the culture around us will get the message that we are not going to be silent about Jesus. But you know what? We've given in. We've given in. What happens is we tell our daughter-in-law that we're so thankful for the gift of music, uh, that the Lord has blessed her with the gift of music and her love of people, that she blesses people, and we're so, so blown away that Meta would stop my post because I said I'm thankful for the gift of music. By the way, if you think I'm lying, I took a screenshot of those posts so that you could believe what I say is true. If you want to check it out, I'll show you after service. They blocked the post. You want to know why they blocked the post? Because it said the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why they blocked the post. And they blocked the second post because I said some meta robot blocked me. In parentheses. <laughs> Folks, we better wake up. And we better start celebrating Jesus. Listen. We can get excited all we want about certain things that seem to go in a biblical direction, but the fight is not over. The job is not done. And by the way, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I don't have an enemy with somebody who wants this, that, or the other. The enemy is spiritual wickedness in high places. And we got to be careful about this too. Looking down on somebody who holds a different view than you, like you're some superior model of godliness, the reality is without Jesus, we're nothing. We're just filthy rags. I have no righteousness except for the righteousness that Jesus has given me and bequeathed me because he died for my sins. That's it. We're free. By the way, all this stuff isn't even in my notes. We're free from the bondage of sin. Galatians 5.1, Paul said, stand fast. In other words, be stationary, persevere. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. Don't get involved with stuff that you shouldn't be involved with anymore. You're representing Jesus Christ. For those who believe there's good news, true freedom, 
Reminds me that I'm free from God's wrath. I'm free from his condemnation. I'm free from the dilemma of death and hell. I'm free from the guilt and reign of sin. And I'm free from the power of Satan. Guess what? I'm no match for the devil, but he's no match for Jesus. That's why I get clothed up in the armor of God. Guess what? When he sees the armor of God coming, he flees. And so do his little messengers. But when I go in my own power, guess what? He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to seek and attack him like a terrorist hitting a weak target. We're free from the bondage of sin. We're free from the demands of law. With Jesus, we're free from the law because he's the only way, he's the only truth, and he's the only life that leads to the Father. But without Jesus, the true freedom that he and he alone offers, we end up dying in our sinfulness. Look back at verse 21 in John chapter 8. I've got to wrap this puppy up. Verse 21, then said Jesus again to them, I go my way and you shall seek me and you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come? And he saith unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of the world, I am not of this world. Verse 24, here it is. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins for if, there it is, not just in verse 31, but in verse 24, if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. With Jesus Christ, we're free from the bondage of sin. We're free from the demands of law. And lastly, we're free to live for Jesus Christ. Verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free. Now just stop and just remind yourself each and every day when you get up that it's Jesus that makes you free. Fauquier County don't make you free. The government of the United States does not make you free. I'm sure this post will be deleted summarily. I'm sure there'll be bots and robots and everybody coming after me. But Uncle Sam does not make you free. There are people that are living for Jesus Christ all around the world that are being persecuted today for their faith. They don't have the luxury. They don't have the lifestyle. They don't have the livelihood that you and I have. And they love Jesus and they serve Jesus with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind. They would die. They would die to have a church like this that they could fellowship with and worship the Lord with a body of believers. Verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We cannot say we're living according to God's word or his truth and then compromise his standards. Remember, I shared a message about a month and a half ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One of the key factors in their success was these were young men who were unwilling to compromise. They were unwilling to bend the knee. They were unwilling to give in to what they knew was the truth. Back in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus declares, He says, I am the light of the world. He that, here we go, he that followeth me, you say, well, I'm of Jesus Christ. I have a question. Time out. Are you following Jesus? Because if you're following Jesus every day, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to pick up his cross and follow him every day of your life. Are you following Jesus? Because here's what he says. He says, I'm the light of the world, colon, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. That word darkness is a reference to walking in ignorance, to walking in wickedness, to walking in misery. But notice he says, but he shall have the light of life. The divine light of Jesus Christ is going to give us knowledge. It's going to produce holiness. It's going to produce joy unspeakable in your life. Listen, 
I look for happiness many times. I'm just going to really confess. I've been there, done that, and could probably write a chapter of a book. I've looked for happiness in, in, in the wrong places. Anybody else there with me? I thought when I was in the military, I thought, man, I'm going to get as much rank as I can get because the more rank I get, the more money I get. And the more money I get, here's what happens. I rationalize in my head. If I can just get the next rank, I'm going to get the next rank. I'm going to get the next rank. All the while, my son's growing up without dad. Shame on me. All the while, I'm convincing. By the way, the devil did a good job convincing me that all of that is for my wife. No, that wasn't for my wife. That was for me. That was for me. I just wanted to get the next rank. But I convinced myself that I was doing it for a greater cause and that it was going to be all good in the end. And you know what? The Lord blessed me in, in spite of myself. He blessed me in spite of myself. But the reality is that my true joy has and can only ever come from one source, and his name is Jesus. All the paychecks, all the, all the houses, all the cars, all the, all the toys, quote unquote, all the toys that we accumulate through life. By the way, I bet in this church I could take an inventory if we just took a blank sheet of paper and wrote down all the toys that all of us have that we never use anymore. I bet we would have enough to make a, a good impact on a mission project around the world. Anybody got some toys they never use anymore? Yeah. It says, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Your joy, your holiness, the knowledge. Everything that you have is going to come from me. Jesus is the shining light of the world. And as he shines in you and me, he too will inevitably shine through us to those who are still walking in darkness and still need to hear that Jesus loves them. Hold on. Jesus is going to flow through us so that we can tell other people who still need to hear Jesus loves them. As Christ followers, we have an incredible privilege to live for Jesus Christ. Flip back one page. As I begin to wrap this up, look at verse 20 in Romans chapter 6. I said one page, sorry. Uh, you're going to have to flip over a few pages. Romans chapter 6, sorry. I want you to see this. Because in the proof of the text that I gave you from 1 Peter chapter 2, earlier, right, talked about this idea, and I'll, I'll reference it again for you. It says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. Okay, now Romans chapter 6 and verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. In other words, here's the layman's translation. In other words, it wasn't in you. When you were a servant of sin, you're free from righteousness. It's not in you. Verse 21, what fruit you had then in those things, whereof you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. Verse 22, but now being made free from sin and, watch, here it is. Not only you're made free from sin, but become servants unto God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. When Christ comes in, something is going to change. Amen? And as I said, if it hasn't changed, 
that we need to take a spiritual inventory. John chapter 15, Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the branch, in the branch or the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Verse 5 of John 15, classic verse everybody knows. I am the vine, ye are the branches, right? I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing if a man abide not in me. Look what it says, if a man abide not in me. He is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. The proof of a person's belief and faith is going to be seen in whether or not they abide. A lot of people say, ask me the question, and this is not a, not a dialogue or a discussion format, but uh, a lot of people say, well, can uh, you know, you believe in losing your salvation and the loss of salvation, on and on. And I would go, I would go, to passages like this and other passages say, I, my, my idea would be that that person's probably not saved. You see, if we're in Christ, there's going to be an abiding. There's going to be an abiding love in our faith. In fact, I put it this way in my notes. If someone's putting on a show, sooner or later, you're going to know. If someone's putting on a show, sooner or later, you're going to know. A false profession of faith will flounder over time. That's why I encourage you, make sure. Make sure you've experienced true freedom. Because true freedom does not come in our obedience. True freedom comes through Jesus Christ. And then we obey because of the freedom that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Oh yes, I wonder if you've been set free today. I wonder if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Him, can I beg you? There will be no greater opportunity than right now to call upon the name of the Lord. Can I tell you Jesus loves you? I know I said it already, but He loves you. And you say, Pastor, I've been around this church for many, many years. What would people say? Everybody thinks I'm saved. What would people say? If I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I think they would rejoice. What would, what would they say? They would say, oh man, you've been a hypocrite for, for 30 years, or you've been this, or you've been that. I thought you were a believer. I would think people would celebrate with you, knowing that you have truly been set free. If you've never trusted Christ, why not? Why not? You've heard more than enough evidence to know that Jesus loves you, that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's been enough evidence of that today. The fact that Jesus sets us free. We have to have a belief and then we have to abide in that. And we abide because of the fact that we've been set free. That's what freedom is all about. I'm as red, white, and blue as the next American loving person. But at the end of the day, I love Jesus more. I love him more. I love him more. Isn't that what the song was about? His mercy is more. He, he, he withholds what we deserve. Spain was mentioning it even in the class classroom this morning. Grace and mercy, they go hand in hand. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when he withholds what we do deserve. What an amazing thought to think that God loves us that much, that he gives us grace and mercy.
If you've never trusted Jesus, I beg you, beg you, beg you, just call upon him. Just say, Jesus, I realize, I realize, I've known this. Nobody had to convince me I'm a sinner. And you know that, Jesus. And at, the, at this time, I'm just asking you to forgive me. I know that you died on that cross for my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to do what you say you'll do in your word, which is if I call upon the name of the Lord that you will forgive me. You will come into my life. You will begin to change me from the inside out. And I want to be set free today, Jesus. So I'm asking you to set me free once and for all. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of messing around. I need you. If that's your plight this morning, just call upon him. His word is true. The Jews said he's not true. He's not telling the truth. But he proved over and over that he is the very truth that we need and the very freedom that we need. And so I beg you, trust him right now as your Savior. You say, well, I already know Jesus as my Savior, but Pastor, I'll be real honest. I've been struggling with that if you continue in my word part. I struggle with the continue in my word part. Would you be bold enough to say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I would continue in God's word today? Would you? Would you? Say, Pastor, pray for me that I would continue in God's word. If, if that's your plight, would you just slip your hand up? Listen, there should be no condemnation in this place because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. No one better than anybody else. We're all under the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what? That took courage. You know, in a day and age when people are afraid to come to an altar because they're fearful, not of what God will think, but what other man or other woman will think. Oh, look at him go to the altar. He must have some really heinous crime. How sad. How far have we fallen from the time when if somebody came to the altar, there would be three or four or five or 10 other guys that would come up and wrap their arm around somebody and say, you know what, brother? I'm right there with you. I need to pray with you. Would you pray for me? I noticed online, I noticed online last week that the Alabama crew came forward. You see, I was watching. The Alabama, the guys that went to the mission trip on Alabama came forward. And no doubt they were praying for the camp legacy down in Alabama. I wonder... I wonder who would take time out this week to pray for our church, to pray for Warrington, to get together to pray for Haymarket and Gainesville and Culpeper and Fairfax and the whole Northern Virginia area. Who would be faithful to pray for that? Who would be faithful to pray for other churches that are right down the road that they might continue to preach the Word of God and not some kind of fancy philosophy? Oh, how we need one another. We need these times where we get together to worship and to come together to hear God's word and to pray for one another, to pray with one another. And so I pray whatever your need is, that today you'll do business with the Lord as he's near. Father, we love you. We thank you for the true freedom that we have in Jesus. God, thank you for loving this world so much that you would willingly orchestrate and plan and lay out the only way, the only truth, and the only life that leads back to you through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that today will be the day of salvation, that they'll call upon him. Lord, I pray for believers in this room and believers that are watching, 
that have strayed from thee, that are, are struggling with the continuing in your word aspect of this passage. And knowing that it's the truth that sets them free, but yet there's a struggle, there's a pull from this world, the flesh and the devil, that is pulling and tearing at the very fabric of their relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as believers, that we would continue in your word, that we would abide in the vine, knowing that without you we can do nothing. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. We praise you and pray this. I ask you to be with us during this time of invitation. And we do so praying it in the precious name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen. Would you